Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 266. With everything Royal Caribbean is doing these days, there's a lot of people considering trying a Royal Caribbean cruise, and this week we have a podcast listener who was so intrigued decided to give it a try. On this week's episode, we talk with someone who just took a Royal Caribbean cruise on board Freedom of the Seas and shares what it was like cruising with Royal Caribbean on this Southern Caribbean itinerary, what they did on board, and how they liked it. Here we go. Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas is one of my favorite ships in the entire fleet, and a lot of folks really love it. And the fact that Royal Caribbean recently moved Freedom of the Seas to her new home port of San Juan, Puerto Rico, has a lot of people excited to go to the Southern Caribbean on an amazing ship, and it really opens up a lot of different opportunities. And this week, we've actually got uh, someone with us who just went on Freedom of the Seas to the Southern Caribbean Islands, the ABC Islands to be specific, out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. We have Jose Pena from New York. Sorry, the Bronx, New York, in the house. Welcome, Jose. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, uh, Jose, I know you've been looking forward to this cruise for a long time, partially because I've known Jose for a while. And I remember when his countdown was in the hundreds of days, and he was quite upset that it was far away. But finally, you got to go on that seven-night cruise, Freedom of the Seas, ABC Islands. Talk to us. What, what, what's your... What's, when people talk to you, Jose, you, you came back from Until Hero Family about the experience. What do you? What's your initial reaction, or what's your first thing you tell people about that cruise on Freedom of the Seas? I, I talk to them specifically about the islands, the ABC Islands. So I talk about Aruba, how much fun we had, uh, the excursion that we did in, in St. Thomas, um, the beautiful uh, all-inclusive resort in Curacao, and the Carambola Beach in St. Kitts. So I tell, I tell them more about the location, and then the stuff that the ship has, you know, uh, the Solarium, uh, Sabor, and the other restaurants, and that's that's about it. It's just everything okay. that you should hear about a cruise and why you should go. That's basically so, what I'm trying to tell them. And I think that's, you know, we're talking about, obviously, your reaction to the end of the cruise. But now I want to talk about before you even went on the cruise, before you even booked the cruise, when you booked this itinerary, was it the itinerary that got you? Was it the fact it's Freedom of the Seas? Uh, was it a little of both? What kind of drove you to booking this itinerary? I needed – well, I, originally, I, so many people, friends of mine, people from my church, um, uh, uh, just relatives, hear about me going cruising for, you know, oh, what did you do here? What place did you go there? How was the ship? That I got sick and tired of just telling them, and I just told them, why don't you just come with me? And I can just show you exactly what it is that that a cruise entails. So uh, a lot of people were interested, and I actually thought of doing this as a as a group cruise. It ended up that almost everybody fell off the wayside. The only um, the only person that sticked from the beginning was my sister and my nephew. So it ended up being my sister, my nephew, uh, my wife, myself, and ironically, my daughter who turned one during the cruise. So. Hey, well, you know what? Sometimes it's great to have, you know, the whole family and all your friends join us. But at the end of the day, you're on a cruise and you're going to have a great time no matter what. You know, did the um, obviously for a while, Adventure of the Seas and Jewel of the Seas were really the cruise ships offering cruises out of San Juan. Did the fact that Royal Caribbean changed the ship to freedom factor into your decision at all? Or this was more about the itinerary, like you were saying, and the fact it was freedom was just uh, icing on the cake? Well, I it basically was the itinerary and uh 
the just going to two of the ABC islands was just amazing. Mm. The fact that we went to Curacao and to a resort that we've been to once just to experience it again. And the ship, we wanted a, a, I wanted a better ship specifically because my nephew has never been on a cruise. Mm-hmm. So he hears me talk about it all the time. And he wanted to see for himself if basically what I was saying was the truth. <laughs> Makes sense. I like it. Uh, what kind of stateroom did you book on this on this uh, particular sailing? Ooh, this was an adventure. This is uh, we we played the price drop game, and <laughs> we, oh, originally I I booked with MEI Travel, so I spoke to Annette, and at that time I had an inside stateroom. Uh, Annette eventually had dealt specifically with group uh, cruises. And I spoke to another wonderful agent, Danette, and we played the game where every time the price dropped, we kept on going up in different staterooms. Because when I booked, I said, I want an interior stateroom, but if you find a balcony for me for this price, I would like you to put me there. And it went from a interior to a balcony to an aft balcony. And Mm. we ended up uh, getting an additional... I would say another hundred, hundred and fifty dollars in onboard credit because the price kept on dropping, and it dropped to the point that even when I booked the F balcony, after I stuck to it, the price dropped some more, and that's when I got the onboard credit. Doesn't happen on every cruise, so if you think you're gonna get a, a price drop on the week of Thanksgiving, you're sadly mistaken. But <laughs> on some cruises, yes, you can. You know, depending on the itinerary and. In this case, a lot of people do not want to fly to San Juan, and I figured that was the reason why um, rooms were available. Absolutely, you know, one of the nice things about going on a cruise that goes out of a um, what's the word? Not I want to say not as popular a port, but a harder to get to port: San Juan, Puerto Rico, Galveston, Texas, even Baltimore, Maryland, to some extent. You're going to get lower fares, generally speaking. And that really benefits someone like yourself here, Jose, who gets an opportunity not only to go on a cruise, but maybe even take some of those savings and turn them right back around into a room that maybe you don't get if you had done a cruise out of Fort Lauderdale or Miami, which is great. So it's it's win-win. If you don't mind flying. Yeah. I, I, I mean, well, I grew up flying to the Dominican Republic every summer as a uh, reward for doing well in school. Then flying to San Juan or Galveston is not a problem. <laughs> That's great. Uh, let's talk about your. Let's start with the itinerary. Usually, I go on the ship and do more ship stuff. But ABC Islands, Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao, amazing places. I went there for the first time not too long ago. Loved it. Well, what was? Your, let's start with your favorite. What was your favorite of the three islands? Wow, that's tough. Uh, I would let's let's say uh, my favorite location for an excursion was St. Thomas. My favorite beach was St. Kitts. My favorite all-inclusive was Curacao. And my favorite beauty of looking around and just walking around was Aruba. So I, I don't have a favorite. Every island <laughs> is something that I either I loved or my wife enjoyed or a memory that will never forget. That's wonderful to hear. I'm really, really glad to hear that. Uh, talk to us about what you ended up booking. What tours did you do and what did you, what did you think of them? Um... We we wanted to do a few things. There was a bus tour in Aruba that, that we uh, 
that was recommended by a few members of the insider group and we did that i i don't know exactly the name of it um the cuckoo kanuku cuckoo cuckoo yeah. Kanu- yeah exactly the um, big red bus thing yeah, yes <laughs> the yes, big fun bus with yep, the that's a lot of fun rockers and everything so you, uh, that you could have you go to a couple of places and you spend some time at the beach at the end that's great um, Curacao was a all-inclusive through resort of, resorts for a day called um, Santa Barbara Resort, which is absolutely immaculate, amazing. Yeah, all-inclusive, all you can eat, all you can drink. But the best excursion was in St. Thomas. St. Thomas oh. had an excursion called uh, the Boss Underwater Adventure, and that ended up being the best excursion I've ever been to. Why is that? What's the, what makes that excursion so much fun? Well, what they do is they uh, they pick you up, they take you to the boat, and they'll take you basically to, a, I guess, a reef a few miles away from, from shore. And what they do is they have motorized scooters where the captain explains what you have to do, where you, you go down, you basically go underwater, and then you surface up with the helmet. And then once you do that, the whole scooter goes underwater. And while you're underwater, your helmet is, still has air. And there are, they're all, um, I guess, professional scuba people all around just watching you. And what they do is that with your scuba um, scooter, I guess, they take you to a, a sunken uh, ship. Uh, I guess uh, you can see uh, coral reefs, which you're not supposed to touch, by the way. But it's basically you, you're in underwater. You're basically in a different world. You know how we walk around and we are above surface? Well, basically, I was for about 20 minutes in the world of fishes and and it's fishes, squids. <laughs> and it's hilarious because we all had motorized scooters. So we all were basically pushing it as far as we can just to see how fast we can go, which really isn't fast, but just the imagery and the fact that we all had fun. Even some people who were afraid to go under, just to go under the water and, and pop up with your head where the helmet would be at, it, you know, once they actually did that and they came back, they all said the same thing. That's 20 minutes? That's not 20 minutes. That was just five minutes. We just started. And... <laughs> It's an amazing experience. We t- they took photos underwater, and it's it's something that I w- I definitely want to do again. That's wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, it sounds like an awesome time. Let's uh you know talk about now let's go back to Freedom of the Seas for a moment here and talk about the ship because obviously uh, it's one of my favorite ships to go on. There's so much going on, but I actually want to take a, a step back and mention that you're not only traveling with your wife, you're traveling with your one year old daughter. What was that like? Interesting. Because my daughter has a way with people where they just fall in love with her, <laughs> where they every single staff member and and most of the people we went by just uh, say, oh, how beautiful, because everyone loves babies. But the staff itself treated my daughter with so well that my wife and I were amazed just from the nursery to the main dining room, just walking around. Uh, it, they were just enamored with her and treated her with respect and just treated her well. And that, that made my wife and I feel wonderful. 
Did you use the nursery on board? Yes, we did. We used a nursery uh, three or four nights. Okay. And what was your experience like using the nursery? Was it what you expected? Was it easier or harder? It it was it was exactly how you explained it in different blogs and different podcasts where you sh- or try to arrive as soon as they have their open house on the first day on a vacation day. They'll explain to you the number of hours that they offer. In this case, they said, we will give you 16 hours so that you can leave your son or daughter, your infant, with us. And after a couple of days, after, the, I guess, the second night, the limit was removed. So we could have left her as many hours as we wanted. Uh, it They're all wonderful, great staff. My daughter enjoyed it at the beginning, but by, I guess, the fifth day or the sixth day, she basically had enough because she's smart enough to realize once we were taking her to the nursery, she started crying her eyes out. And despite the fact that the staff said that don't worry about it, we'll calm her down, you know, that didn't work. We, I ended up purchasing a $60 app for a nursery rhyme so that my daughter could calm down. But the last two nights, we, we couldn't leave her there because we didn't want um, other children to be interrupted and not be able to go to sleep because my daughter cried. So she spent more time with us. Oh, well, hopefully it'll be maybe a, a process for her. And as you know, this, the first time is always the hardest for any kid. But then, you know, as they become accustomed to it, they know what to expect. They think like my children, you know, they like they're creatures of habit. They like knowing exactly what to expect. So hopefully going forward, that'll be a, a better experience for her. maybe she'll be more acclimated to it. And but I'm glad to hear at least the staff was very supportive and you enjoyed what you saw, you know, and it's even if you get a couple hours out of it, that's well worth it as a parent to be able to have some time alone. Yes, and here's hoping that my daughter gets even more acclimated for the nursery when we go on our next cruise. So There you go. Uh, let's talk about the dining on board the ship. What did you do in terms of eating? Were you just main dining room folks? Did you try any specialty uh, restaurants on board? Well, I convinced my sister and my nephew and to just purchase the three-night um, three, three package with specialty dining, so... We ended up doing that, and we ended up going to Sabor, Sabor once, Chops once. We canceled Giovanni's because they changed the menu, and my wife and my sister didn't like the new menu. So we went, to, uh, we went on my nephew's birthday because he also had a birthday the next day to Chops. And then we, on the first day, we saw um, one of the staff talking about the guac and and margarita class, and we booked that. So we had we ate a sabor twice, and we ate a chops twice. And talk about the yeah. Talk about the Did you do the sabor and, and guac class or the margarita class? Oh, that was that was amazing. That was that was the best. They that staff out of everybody, it was they were they treated me well. It was my daughter's birthday, so they brought her a cake. They gave me they gave us so they gave us extra liquor. Wow! Say <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, the the best of friends bring you extra liquor. There's no question about that. <laughs> the uh, and I'll tell you one other thing. You know the the these culinary classes that Royal Caribbean offers, whether it's the guac class at Sabor, whether it's the sushi making class at Izumi, they're really underrated because I think a lot of people look at them and go, "Oh, how much fun could it really be to you know roll a thing of sushi on your own? Pfft, I can do that at home or whatever." But the reality is, it is so much more than just how to make this it's an experience and there's so much food and it's a fun time and i really feel like the, the crew members really uh, enjoy it and, and it's it's something that I, I personally 
didn't do for a long time because I thought like a lot of folks like, oh, whatever, whatever, whatever. But the reality is you hear folks like yourself, Jose, who talk about the the about the guac class. And I finally tried the sushi making class on my own after hearing so many Real Cream blog readers tell me about it. And, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, why did I wait this long to do it? It's incredible. So I'm really glad to hear that you had a positive time there. And for everybody listening, if you have an opportunity, even more so than maybe even doing especially meal on its own, because these, quite frankly, are meals in, in and of themselves, but book one of these classes because they're a lot of fun, great for groups as well. It was wonderful. They, You have lunch. They give you a free drink, or in my case, a free couple of drinks. They show you how to how to make guacamole, how to make three different types of uh, margaritas, and the stuff was wonderful. And I, you can't beat it for the price. You can't beat that. What were your favorite activities on board the ship? Oh, the well, we uh, the plan. Usually, the plan is I walk through each deck just to figure out what uh, what you know what they offer. But I couldn't do that with my daughter, so the it ended up being that we ended up doing a lot of the spa. We went to the uh, solarium a lot, and we just walked around. I I enjoyed the the promenade deck uh, every single night, and oh, and the seventy show was just amazing. And the different shows on the ship, awesome. What did you like? What shows stood out to you? What one would you want to see again? Maybe. Oh well, the quest was one. The quest was <laughs> as usual as as crazy it can be. The ice skating show, which. You know, most people poo-poo uh, the, the ice skating show itself. It's it's quite wonderful. And the fact that they're doing all the things that they do and the different maneuvers and stunts that they do while on a moving ship is just amazing. Um, I caught a couple of shows, including a magician, which and I, I love I love magic. So they had a great magician on board. It was wonderful. That's great. I, you know, Freedom of the Seas is a fabulous ship and such great entertainment on board. And there's a lot to do. It's more than meets the eye. I think a lot of times, you know, we get hung up on Oasis class and Quantum classes, you know, offering so many things, which they do. But the Freedom class and the and the Voyager class still offer quite a bit. They are big ships, and uh, there's there's lots to choose from uh, when you're on board those ships. So I'm glad to hear that you also had a good time on there. Um, I mean, it just sounds like an amazing itinerary, and, and obviously the ship is really really nice. Um, was the the weather cooperate for the most part during your cruise? It rained for about five minutes in St. Kitts. That's about wow. it. That's not bad at all. And uh, it was one perfect weather. That's great. Is there any part of your cruise that you would do differently? If you go back in time, would you do anything differently? Um, yeah, I would probably book more. Instead of a three-night dining package, I will book a, probably a four- or five-night dining package. So I liked it that much. Because it's it's – that well done, and the nice. service you get is is great. And not to say that uh, the main dining room doesn't offer quality service; they do. It's just the, uh, I guess the, I'm I'm more interested in the food, and the food that is prepared in these, especially dining rooms, is wonderful. Especially Sabor, it's 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 extremely underrated. The staff basically told me that they always they have trouble getting people in the first couple of days because they think that a mexican restaurant involves every all foods being spicy but they cater to what you want so if you don't want anything spicy then they'll prepare a meal that doesn't have any spices in it but it's still wonderful so and once people realize that by the end of the cruise that that uh restaurant is booked up and chops is always booked up so it um the restaurants are are, are second to none great 
Well, Jose, before I let you go, I want to get to know our podcast guests a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions about how you like to cruise in Royal Caribbean. So, Jose, just say the uh, first thing that comes to your mind when I ask you these questions. Are you ready? Yep. Uh, since you sailed on Freedom of the Seas, what is your best tip for someone going on Freedom for the first time? Do your research. Uh, if you're going to do excursions, figure out what excursions you want to do and, and uh, just plan ahead. If you want to – the boss excursion and the different excursions we did, we planned it out and we saved money ahead of time because most of the places we did go to for the boss excursion, we did some research online. So do your research ahead of time for shore excursions. Do your research for these uh, different ships just to find out what they they uh, they have and – Using your website and especially the compasses that you have on your website is a great resource to figure out what they will probably do on a seven-day cruise or on a five-day cruise or however long you're going to stay. Nice. What's your favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? Sabor. Preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise? The, uh, I guess the Grand, Grand Sabor or the Grand – I forget the Margarita. Grand Sabor Margarita. That's it. That's a good one. Uh, favorite port of call to visit? All of them. But if you, have, if you <laughs> force me to pick one, um, yeah. I love St. Kitts. I love St. Kitts. St. Kitts. Good. And favorite song on the radio or your iPhone today? Anything that's in Spanish. There you go. I like it. Jose, thank you for joining us here on the Real Cream Blog Podcast. Anytime, Matt. Me to help. <laughs> email inbox time this is the part of the podcast where i go into the royal caribbean blog email inbox and, and reach in and grab some emails that you've sent me about your upcoming royal caribbean cruises things you've read on royalcaribbeanblog.com things you think i'm wrong about things you think i'm right about and i think everything else in between so of course if you want to send me your emails you can always do so by sending it to matt m-a-t-t at royalcaribbeanblog.com matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com our first email is from josh from connecticut who writes hi matt this is my second time emailing but the closer my next cruise comes more excited I get. Looking forward to my Freedom of the Sea Southern Caribbean cruise coming up soon. I'm in my early 20s and this will be my fifth cruise. My girlfriend is joining me and this will be her third cruise. I got her hooked on Royal Caribbean. I'll be leaving for grad school this fall, so my girlfriend and I want to do something special before I go away for the next two years. We found the Southern Caribbean itinerary out of San Juan for a steal of an ocean view balcony and booked it at Next Cruise last year. Side note, what works for us is booking the refundable rate to hold the stateroom and get Next Cruise on board credit then switching to non-refundable rate before final payment date for a couple hundred dollar discount and extra onboard credit. We ended up with near $300 onboard credit with this. Including flight from Connecticut, airport transfers, the cruise itself, we spent around $1,100 each. We've never stayed in anything other than an interior cabin, so I'm really looking forward to hanging out on the balcony and enjoying the open ocean. It didn't process until a few weeks ago how busy the Southern Caribbean itinerary is. Only one sea day, not including embarkation day for a seven-night cruise. My girlfriend and I are very active and adventurous, but we also like to relax and eat and nap. With that being said, we thought it was a good idea to stay on board or just get off for an hour or so in a place like St. Kitts and enjoy the empty ships as we've uh, been there before. We booked an excursion for St. Martin and would also like to connect with uh, Leo Brown when we go to visit St. Martin. We haven't been to St. Lucia, Barbados, or Antigua before, so we're really looking forward to exploring these islands. We decided to let Barbados and Antigua be beach days, and we have no idea what to do with St. Lucia if you have any tips. Also, another trick we do to balance the ports and ship is to get off as early as possible and spend the whole morning on the island. Then, when things get crowded and busy around 12, 31 o'clock, we head back to an empty ship to relax and nap. This worked really well for us last year on a ship with many more sea days, so hopefully this will fit in with the perfect amount of exploration, fun, and relaxation. 
I have a feeling this will be my favorite cruise so far. I've purchased the drink package, reserved in my specialty dining restaurant. We have late dinner in the main dining room, so I booked the earliest chops reservation we, are, we can get. Uh, we're foodies, no shame here. And we're visiting some great front islands. <laughs> if there is anything else you could think of that would make this cruise more special to my girlfriend, I'd really appreciate it. I move a few days after we come back from this cruise, so I'm trying to give her the greatest time ever. Josh, thanks for the email, dude. Uh, you're right that when you go on a Southern Caribbean itinerary in general, it's very much a port-intensive itinerary. And it's, uh, regardless of whether you're talking about Freedom of the Seas or some of the other Royal Caribbean ships that have sailed that itinerary, generally speaking, when your ship leaves from a place like San Juan and then heads south, I mean, since you're so close to those ports, they work in a lot more port visits. And as a result, you're right, there's like, you know, one sea day. And it's it's a double-edged sword. I mean, the, on the plus side, you get to visit a lot of different places. And that means a lot of different opportunities to see different uh, islands. And I enjoy visiting these islands. So I, it's probably what it is what got me started on cruising. And it still continues to be a big factor in any itinerary I pick in terms of where we happen to go. Of course, the the other side of it is being a port intensive itinerary means, you know, you don't have as much time to kind of relax. I think in a perfect world, I would tell you that I'd like an itinerary where I go port stop, sea day, port stop, sea day, port stop, sea day. Maybe two port stops in a row and then a sea day. Because you want to have that little bit of a break to relax, to reju- re- rejuvenate, re- you know, gets basically all that walking in town and do whatever you're doing, regardless of you're walking, uh, kayaking, uh, shopping. It's a lot more effort on your part and it starts to weigh on you. And so I think your plan is actually pretty good in order to maybe to take an opportunity to maybe not do so much in one of the islands like St. Kitts or perhaps just do it really early in the day and like you said, come back for lunch and then stay on the ship in the afternoon where it also is going to be the warmest part of the day and that drains you as well. So I think you got some really good idea. St. Lucia is an interesting port. I went, I've been there one time and a lot of what is available to do in St. Lucia, as I recall, is quite far from the cruise port. Not in terms of how the bird flies, but just the fact, you know, there are major highways and the roads can take a little bit of time to get there. And it was kind of expensive. Uh, by far, the best thing to do in, in St. Uh, Lucia is the Tetons. The, uh, these are the main, vol- I think they're volcanoes. They're big mountains anyway. And they are uh, by far the, the major pull there. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a hike. And we went there, we had... Um, my oldest daughter was quite young at the time, and we didn't feel like it was worth spending all the money to, to go there. Uh, so we ended up not going to that far, and we ended up going to a beach much closer in to just kind of relax. But you might consider that. It depends on what you want to do. And you, I would suggest in all these islands that you do your research in terms of what's available and have plans booked. Because in a lot of cases, we tried to wing it. I remember in St. Lucia, and that backfired. I mean, I think not only did we, uh, did we overestimate the availability of things that would be available for us to do on the on the fly but it was also pricey and i think ultimately we made a decision based out of a lack of choice more than anything else so again if you can research it as much as you can that only you only send a benefit from it but in general i think you've got a great uh, itinerary laid out it's awesome to hear that you've got uh, something a little more the the stateroom you have is a little different and you got some great things lined up on freedom of the season obviously, obviously as you heard earlier in this episode you know, there's uh, Freedom is a great ship, and I think you're going to like it quite a bit. So I'm really, really glad to hear that you're going to have an awesome time there, and can't wait to hear about it when you get back. Next, we have an email from Daniel Stover from Harriman, Utah. Uh, just listen to episode 258 about your cruise to Cuba on Majesty of the Seas. First of all, I'm chuckling that you said you didn't have time to get some Canadian currency before you went, because I know that you were in Victoria only a few days before that. That's actually true, Daniel. I completely forgot about that. Uh, Daniel goes on. Anyway, I went to Havana on Empress of the Seas last October. I did exchange dollars for euros before my cruise, but my savings were not as big as you might think. Every time you exchange currency, you lose value. 
And since I exchanged twice, my $150 resulted in 136 Cuban pesos. I looked at the rates posted at Catica in the cruise terminal, and I would have gotten about 130 pesos if I just exchanged my dollars directly. I don't think it was all that trouble to save six bucks. Next, I booked the walking tour of Old Havana through Royal Caribbean. This was largely based on the recommendation given on your show by Haley with a Flair. However, unlike Haley's experience, there was no bus. It was just four hours of walking, walking very slowly, and a lot of waiting for the group. I agree with you, though. Next time, I'll just get out the chip and wander. Even with the free rum tasting and coffee, I felt like I could have done it better on my own. Thanks to the great podcast, as always, Matt. Someday, my schedule will work out to join you on a group cruise. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate that. And, you know, your experience in Cuba uh, reminds me of a couple of things. First of all, you know, one of the topics you brought up was what Haley recommended. And, of course, Haley went on, I believe, the first Royal Caribbean sailing to Cuba. And so things can change over time. And this is true of any port. You know, the options, the excursions available may change or alter. And Cuba is one of those places, I think, where, you know, there's since it's so early in the in the timeline of, of Royal Caribbean offering cruises here, sometimes, you know, the operators they choose may change. And there's a lot of different factors involved. You know, I think when we go to a place like Cuba, especially folks that go there for the first time, there is definitely that almost fear of wanting to make sure you're not making a mistake. I feel like if you go to Nassau and Bahamas for the first time, they're like, eh, you know, okay, if it doesn't work out, no big deal. But Cuba seems to have that a little different attitude that a lot of cruisers have. Even veteran cruisers like myself, you know, I've been to, you know, a, a dozens of Caribbean ports over the years. And so, you know, Havana, Cuba really shouldn't be that much different from uh, approach in terms of planning than other ports. And yet I kind of treated it almost like I was going to a port in uh, a, a region of the world I've never been to before. And for that reason, I think a lot of folks kind of go for the same idea because it's it's so different. Uh, and it's we kind of look at it in that way, in a different lens, if you will. And I feel like, you know, ultimately my realization was, oh, well, that's actually not that different from a place like San Juan, Puerto Rico, or Cozumel, or some of these other ports that have a lot of things to do, and it's just a matter of, you know, picking one and going with it and going with your guy, and knowing full well as an experienced cruiser, okay, you know, I know what I kind of like in terms of, you know, group excursions versus not group excursions versus doing things on my own versus, you know, historical tours or doing more active excursions, you know. If it's something you know you enjoy or something you know you don't enjoy, keep with that you know even if it is a place you've never been before i think the, the you know yourself better than anybody else and you know this just because it's your first time in a particular port doesn't mean you're necessarily going to make this huge mistake i think if ultimately if you know you like a particular type of excursion keep going with that because i think that's probably going to lead you in the right direction more more than more than likely Next, we have an email from Dan who writes, I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day, and I could have sworn you said sweet guests can call to request laminated luggage check. Sure enough, I called today, 49 days left, and they said they don't do that. Am I crazy, or possibly did they discontinue that perk? Thanks again for your recent Alaska visit. It was great watching you on the ship that I'll be on shortly. Keep up the great work. Love the, well, all the content you produce. It's great stuff. Thanks, Dave, for the email. And, you know, it's interesting. I thought that was still an option, but then I looked it up, and I couldn't find it because I'm staying in a couple different suites coming up. And I went to Royal Caribbean's website to see if I could just, you know, mock get to that point. And I don't see an option for it, and I'm staying in a suite. You know, back in the day, uh, Royal Caribbean said that if you were staying in a grand suite or above, you could order complimentary luggage tags to be sent via mail, uh, and uh, that would be an option for you. There was also the option of paying for them for all guests, and it would cost about $35. But anyway, I can't find that option listed anywhere, especially with the new website. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I mean, ultimately, Dan, if you're looking for them, I would call in. I just don't 
honestly know if they still offer that option. Because, of course, these days when you have luggage tags, they're all just printed out. Back in the day, long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, when you went on a Royal Caribbean cruise, you would actually have luggage tags mailed to you, adhesive stickers that you would get. Very similar to maybe if you go to the airport and you put uh, those luggage tags on your luggage there. Anyway, they got away from that a number of years ago because, quite frankly, it's just a lot of money wasted for uh, unnecessarily needs. And now what you do is you print out your luggage tags, you fold it up uh, in kind of an origami style. Not quite that complex, but you know what I mean. And then you wrap it around your luggage, staple it, bada-bing, bada-boom, you're off to the races, and, and that's it. In fact, even if you don't want to do that, if you say, Matt, I, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> what, you, what you can always do is just bring your luggage to the port. When you check in with the porters there, when you drop off your luggage, you can just say, hey, by the way, I don't have any luggage tags. Could you uh, just, you know, affix temporary ones to them? They'll have no problem doing that for you as well. So it's not like, you know, it's the end-all be-all of it. But, uh, you know, I certainly understand some people prefer the old ones or, you know, I think in the case of Dan here, I think it's more about, hey, if I'm staying in a suite, is this a perk that I can take advantage of? Because why not, right? You paid a lot of money for it. May as well get something back in return or as much as you can. And uh, it doesn't seem like I think that it's available these days. Although, quite frankly, if I, if you really wanted to try what my next step would be is to call Royal Caribbean and say, hey, by the way, do I get luggage tags available still? Because remember, that was still a thing. Maybe they will still mail it to you. I honestly don't know. Maybe somebody can also send me an email at mattrealcoreanblog.com if you've experienced this recently uh, and been able to, I would say, re- as in recently as in like the calendar year of 2018, been able to get luggage, adhesive luggage tags for free as a sweet guest. I'd love to hear about it and how you got that taken care of. I suspect it involves a call to either your travel agent or Royal Caribbean, but who knows? Maybe there's some secret link still somewhere that you can fire off those kind of emails. Uh, next, we have an email from Todd Sparrow of Kentucky, who's here. Uh, Todd writes, first time on a Royal Caribbean in October on Grandeur of the Sea, sailing from Baltimore to Kings Wharf, Bermuda. My wife and I are cruising for our 25th anniversary. We cruised several times on Carnival with kids in Norwegian. For our anniversary, we wanted to go different. Have wanted to try Royal Caribbean for quite some time, and we've never been to Bermuda. Our ship arrives in Bermuda at 1 p.m. and departs the next day at 2.30 p.m. The one thing must do for us is Horseshoe Bay. I know there are good public transportation options in Bermuda. I'm wondering about our options with a limited time, especially the first day. How late does transportation run? What options are available later, and are there nightlife options on the island? One of the benefits of trying Royal Caribbean is that I've discovered the Royal Caribbean blog podcast. I've been binge listening since booking the cruise. Any advice is appreciated. So to answer your question, Todd, I dug into the Bermuda bus schedule, and I'll post a link to that in our show notes at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Basically, you need bus number seven, and it runs, looking at the schedule, it runs pretty much all day until, oh, I mean, well into the evening, certainly, well past dark. I mean, it runs starts at about 7 a.m. It looks like it's the earliest one, and it will run through very much the late evening and and nightly hours. Um, I'm not sure you'd want to stay there past really dusk, because I don't think there's any lights there or anything like that. And basically, the bus the bus runs uh, pretty much throughout the day. It's not like you know all night kind of thing, but you're going to be covered, dude. It's not like it stops at like three o'clock or anything like that. There's plenty of bus service, and the bus service is really the way to go in Bermuda because private transportation is really expensive, and the bus works pretty well. You'll see a lot of tourists on there, along with locals as well. It's kind of a fun way to do it, also. Um, so you don't have to worry too much about it. But again, check out the uh, link there in the bus schedule for more options for you. Um, in terms of nightlife options on the island, don't forget, you know, Bermuda's got a lot going on. It's not just about the beaches. There's a lot of great things. There's a number of cities. Hamilton is the closest city to where you dock at King's Wharf. Uh, you can take the bus there. You can take, there's actually a water fer- ferry slash taxis that can go there as well. Uh, also, there's St. George's, which is another city on the north end of the island. 
But I think for, for, for nightlife, I would always recommend Hamilton. It's just closer and easier to get to. There's also less commute time. And I feel like it is a much more interesting, especially for nightlife, thing to do. I think St. George's, I kind of get the sense of it's more of a kind of, oh, let's go there and explore in the daytime because there's a lot more history over there. Not to say, I'm sure there is actually nightlife there as well. But if it were me and you're looking for nightlife, Hamilton's great. And one of the best things about overnighting on a Royal Caribbean cruise is take advantage of it. You know, treat your cruise ship like a floating hotel and go into Hamilton. Have a great time there. And then when you're done, check, you know, which have to make sure you have a plan for how you're going to get back, whether it's going to be bus or ferry, but there'll be late night options for you as well, because they, they kind of understand, you know, that's where people need to get around. And, it, you know, obviously not, uh, with private transportation being as expensive as it is, there's, you know, a lot of people are going to be in the same situation as you are, Todd. They're going to need some options there. So I think you'll be good. Check out the bus schedule. Uh, but I think you're going to have an awesome time in Bermuda. We have another email it's from Robert Church from Fulton, New York. Hey, Matt, thanks for your show. I can't help myself. I'm a longtime cruiser. In terms of etiquette on vacations, especially cruises, is very important. Thank you for addressing this on a recent episode. If you want a classy cruise line, there has to be a level of decorum on board. And Royal Caribbean should exert some control over guest behavior. Everyone will benefit if we all, as passengers, are polite, act classy, and follow the rules. I enjoy my cruises when I see gracious behavior on board. The high quality of the Royal Caribbean experience is partially dependent on how we behave. The golden rule is our cruising rule. Sometimes my children even behave better at home after cruising. Thank you. Uh, now I must go book another sail. <laughs> Love that, Robert. And speaking of cruise etiquette, we have another email from Mark who writes, uh, Hi, Matt. I completely agree with all of your etiquette suggestions you made and I have two of my own to add. The first is in addition to keeping your kids from jumping around the stateroom late at night, don't allow your kids to go run up and down the hallways, uh, stateroom hallways. The second is for people with a veranda, please make sure that your veranda is light is turned off at night if you're not outside. I like to sit on my veranda late at night and look at the stars and enjoy the sea breezes. It's easier if the neighboring stateroom light is not on. I know this is easy to overlook if somebody accidentally turned the light on during the daytime, but when you return to your stateroom after dinner and the curtain is closed, be sure to check that out. Even though I have so far only cruised with Disney Cruise Line, I enjoy your podcast and you will eventually, at least partially, convert to me. Mark, love that. Thank you for the email, dude. And, you know, with the, I'm really happy with the response to that episode we did about cruise etiquette because, you know, it, it's a tough topic to broach because, again, I didn't want to be preachy and be like, you know, you should do this and not this. I'm not the arbiter of right or wrong, especially on a cruise line. I think everyone kind of agreed with the general sense that these are the rules and we should all follow them. But ultimately, like, not everyone's going to because that's just society, right? But if you're going to have rules, they need to be enforced, no matter what the rules are. If you're going to say, if you're going to write it down on paper somewhere and say you should should do this or should not do that, ultimately it is the cruise line's responsibility to enforce those rules because otherwise it's tough saying, you know, well, I'm going to be a man of principles and follow these rules even though clearly so many other people are not doing that. And it really just, you know, it, it's, it's almost like there's such frustration with that on both sides of the coin because obviously you're frustrated people are breaking the rules and on the same side it's like, I'm following the rules, but why am I following the rules? There's clearly no point in doing so alas there you go so yeah it's it's one of those tough ones that you know we it, it's a struggle and i understand that but and anyway it's something i think that uh ultimately uh, it's a good conversation to have and i'm glad many of you enjoyed it uh we have another email it's from cruise and susan who writes regarding discount fare versus onboard credit now that royal Caribbean has the onboard credit available to use on the cruise planner it really doesn't make a difference to our preference before this change we would have rather had the discounted fare because now that we are diamond level and crown and anchor, we rarely have much charge on our CPAS account. We do pre-book our shore excursions, dining packages, and internet package, so having the ability to use onboard credit towards that makes it handy. And in regard to refundable versus non-refundable deposits, for our last cruise, we booked it with a refundable deposit. 
A few days before final payment, I called and asked about repricing. I was told that if we changed the non-refundable deposit, we would save about $200 on the price of the fare and pick up a $100 on board credit. I found out that you can always change from refundable to non-refundable, but not the other way around. When you book non-refundable, you can still take advantage of price drops. Either way, get the insurance. Susan, as always, thank you for the great emails. And your last point about refundable versus non-refundable, I discovered that as well. I remember I was um, I have a cruise coming up on Brilliance of the Seas. And when final payment date came around, we repriced it on the website like right at final payment day. And it ended up being cheaper. Not only was it was there a price drop, but it was uh, there if we changed the refundable or non-refundable because we had booked refundable, it would net even more savings. And it is kind of surprising that like literally on final payment day, you can go from refundable to non-refundable and still save some money. Like it kind of seems like I, I guess the the rationale is well, Matt. If you would you know switch that like you know six months before, you would have saved even more money. I get that. I guess. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a there's a risk involved, right? And, and to Susan's point, you, know, you could try this exact methodology, and you may find, you know, you're still paying more than you know what you booked originally. It may not save you anything, but you know, this is a a pretty good trick, also maybe on that last day or so when you really know you're gonna once you, no matter when you know whether it's on final payment date or you know months before that, when you know, okay, there is no doubt in my mind we're going on this cruise, even though I book refundable all the time. You know, it may not hurt to reprice it as non-refundable just to see what it'll get you. You know, assuming you understand the risk of going to non-refundable. Um, but it's it's kind of an interesting topic. And hey, if they're going to give you some extra money and you know you're going to go on it, so there's you know the risk is reduced. Why not, right? It's it's a matter of really just your comfort level, I think, and knowing what your plans happen to be. Uh, next, we have an email from Tyler who writes, "Hi, Matt. This is Tyler from Sunny." T- Tavares, Florida. I just got back from an eight-night voyage on Freedom of the Seas. Love it. I'm going to go on a Mariner of the Seas in two weeks. I want to tell you my review of Freedom. On this trip, we went with a group, uh, hashtag mini RCB Royal Caribbean blog group cruise. As well to all the crews at the uh, sports court, here are some tips. Number one, if you wait until 30 minutes until the flow rider close time, you can get the flow rider all to yourself. I do this every voyage and it works. Number two, the ice skating rink is less crowded on a smaller ship. Number three, make friends with the staff on the flow rider. Number four, try both sessions of the flow rider. I think he means like the uh, boogie board versus the stand-up surfing. Uh, number, I think he stopped, he stopped numbering them. But it also writes, also buy your your buy your own board. It's nice to have in terms of going on the flow rider. And I'm Matt, I think they should ban electric scooters. I always hit twice on the cruise, once on the elevator and once uh, on the elevator and fell over and they slam you. But the rest of the cruise was fun, fun, fun. I went on the zip line in Labadee and it was great. Thanks to Daniel from the sports court. Matt, thanks for the podcast. Tyler, thank you for the email, dude. Um, great tips about you know taking advantage of the flow rider. Obviously, it sounds like, uh, Tyler, you enjoy going over there. And uh, some good tips there in terms of being able to take advantage of those activities on there. In terms of the scooters, I'm sorry that occurred to you. I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to ban them. Uh, but I do think the onus is, we were talking about etiquette before. If you have a scooter, or you know, it's one of the things you got to do is make very certain you're being as... Uh, safe as you can, give proper warning, especially when backing up, you know, I mean, look, ultimately mistakes are going to happen, no one's, you know, just running around like a, a demolition derby just running into people, I don't think that really occurs, I think a lot of people would not want to run into somebody, it's just, you know, sometimes mistakes happen, and hey, you know what, it sticks when it's your ankle that gets hit, I totally understand that, but I gotta think the person wasn't trying to do it intentionally you know, it's just, it's tough I, I as someone who's never even gone on an electric scooter before I can only imagine it having just observed them it's not the easiest thing to, to operate in terms of especially in those tight quarters in elevators um, you know it's it's not as straightforward as you may think but um, you know I, I don't think that it's 
out of hand in terms of how many people have it either. Um, so, you know, you got to have, it, it goes both ways. You know, if, you, if you're in an elevator or you're in an area where there's someone with a scooter, you know, it's up to you. I think it's on us to, you know, give them some extra space. There's no question about that. It's also up to that person to <laughs> give proper audio warnings like, hey, I'm trying to back up here or uh, watch your feet. I'm, I'm moving in this direction. You know, the more communication, the better. I think it's, it's just a safe way to go about it. And our last email is from uh, Michelle, who writes, Matt, love your podcast. Thanks for what you do. My husband and I and our nine-year-old son will be taking our very first cruise on Freedom of the Seas out of San Juan to the Southern Caribbean. We're super excited. So I have a question about Adventure Ocean and dinner time. I booked the Mystery Dinner Theater at 6.15 on our first sea day and Sabor at 6 p.m. on the next day, which is a port day. As a dad, I'm sure you can understand the value and need for adult time where we can talk longer than 20 seconds without being interrupted. Plus... I know my son would really get antsy at the Mystery Dinner Theater, and he doesn't like Mexican food at all that much, but that's okay. More guac for us. Will our son be able to go to Adventure Ocean while we're at dinner on those days? If not, do you have any other options? So, Michelle, that's a really interesting question. We'll start with the easier one, which is Sabor at 6 p.m., which you said is a port day. Assuming you're docked in port, uh, let's say you're in port until 7 p.m. as an example, Adventure Ocean will be open the entire time. Adventure Ocean is required to be open anytime your ship is in, is in port. So if your cruise ship is docked in whatever port from 9 a.m. until 10 p.m., as an example, Adventure Ocean will be open from 9 a.m. till 10 p.m. There's no breaks. There's no They have to be open for that time while your ship is in port there. So if basically if your support dinners are at 6 and you're still docked in port, that's okay. You'll be able to drop off at any time because tech, Adventure Ocean will be open because technically the ship is docked and thus they're, they're open for business. Otherwise, on non either on on sea days or on if your ship's not docked there, uh-huh. Adventure Ocean will open at seven p.m. and they usually close earlier at five p.m. So basically, the afternoon session runs from two to five, and then you have a break from five to seven, and they reopen at seven o'clock for the rest of the evening. And you know, if your ship leaves at your on your port day, if it leaves at four o'clock or four thirty, well, then they're going to close at five and then reopen for seven o'clock. So. Again, I don't know how that works with Sabor. Obviously, with Sabor, you can change the time, right? You can say, okay, well, we're supposed to leave. The ship's going to leave at 5 or 6 or something like that. And obviously, they can't stay there in that little gap time. So push dinner back to 7 o'clock and you'll be all set. On the flip side, you've got the Mystery Dinner Theater, which you have no control over. And you said it's a sea day. So then for sure, the uh, Adventure Ocean will not be open at 6.15. It would have closed at 5 o'clock for the afternoon session. Reopen again at 7 o'clock. In this situation, I honestly don't know what option you really have. I mean, one option is you could bring your child with you for 45 minutes and then drop them off. Let the let the staff know, like, look, here's the thing. I'm this, My son is not eating with us. He's just here because Adventure Ocean is open for another 45 minutes, but we got nowhere else to put him. We can't leave him in the room for 45 minutes. So here he is and go that route. Uh, number two, you could ask at the Adventure Ocean staff if there are any available options. Maybe they do something like that. I don't know. The only option I could think of was they have My Family Time Dining. Uh, that's an option where you go to the main dining room and you can have dinner with the kids. Uh, and then the Adventure Ocean staff will pick them up earlier and bring them back. That, I think, occurs in the ballpark of the 6 o'clock hour. But the problem is you got to go to the main dining room and you're supposed to be at the Mystery Dinner Theater. So that kind of takes that out of the option there. Uh, I'm not honestly sure what might be the best choice for you. Uh, because obviously you can't say, okay, we'll do Mystery Dinner Theater at a different time. Usually, it's been my experience, they offer it like one time on the cruise. I mean, if there's another time, that may that's your obviously your other choice. But if there's not, this is a one-time kind of deal, you might look at, ultimately, your fallback plan should be to have the have your son go with you, at least for the beginning of it. And then, and then one of you takes your son up to Adventure Ocean and drops them off uh, after, you know, once 7 o'clock hits. Uh, or you could, you know, again, talk with the Adventure Ocean staff, see if there are any available options for you as well. 
you never know. I mean, at, one of the things I've discovered about cruising in general is the power of asking. Because ultimately, you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of times, most of the time, in fact, Royal Caribbean really wants you to have a great time. And they're willing to, you know, not bend over backwards, but certainly work with you to try to make sure that you have a great experience. And what, if there's something available to you, they can do that. So my recommendation might be um, talk to Venture Ocean staff, see if there's an option for your son to stay for dinner with them. You never know. It doesn't hurt to ask. It's just one of those things. It's a weird time, you know, and that's kind of the the crux of it. So, uh, Michelle, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for tuning into this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending it to Matt, uh, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.